you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. We're glad you can make it. It's kind of a special night for us. It's kind of the beginning of this whole tour and we're trying to get this rocket ship off the ground here. I see some friends and I think I see a couple neighbors and uh, I don't see any enemies though, not yet. It's good. We're a bit nervous, not really about our playing, but you know, we're just, this is a, a little bit different look and uh, just, um, we're worried that the, something might go wrong with the inflatable space needle. But, uh, we could always just tear the roof off of this fucking place so we just see the real one. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossip! Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and we're coming to you after all of the shows have happened everything by this point from see here now to ohana main set as i like to call it the main set of ohana the first weekend and then ohana encore is now been completed so we are in a world where all the shows from 2021 have happened so we are just kind of in this mode right now where we're running off a high on those shows and it's just great to hear the gigaton stuff we won't be talking too much about that today because we're doing a show from 2009 from key arena uh around the backspacer tour so there is some similarities to what transpired this past week with all the gigaton songs debuting and getting the to see everything fresh because this show happens to be right at the beginning of Backspacer, right after the record came out. So we'll we'll be talking about a lot of song debuts today, just like we, we've been talking about the Gigaton songs that, that debuted all the last month. So there's some nice little uh, comparisons that we can make, and why don't we just get into it? Look, if, if you're interested in the Ohana stuff, we put something out on Monday, and that's our Ohana reaction episode. Head on over there, listen to that, because that's probably more timely than this. And then you can come back to this and listen to what's happening 12 years ago at Key Arena in Seattle for our hometown series, doing all the Seattle stuff uh, this year. All right, let's let's run into it. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello. Hey, hometown series. We're back to this. Um, we, we This is probably one of 
uh, a few that are left. I, I can think off the top of my head at least three after this. Uh, you know, month of December we'll have a, a couple, and then November I'll have a couple. But this is a pretty big jump from the last year that we did because we did 2002. And when you think of 2002, 2002 isn't a tour year technically. It's 2003, but it's the same going off the same album. So they didn't do a 2003 Seattle show per se. They did Ben Arroyo, but that's kind of we did Ben Arroyo over a year ago. That that's been in the books for a long time. So you think about the other tours. 2005, they did the Easy Street show, and that's, yes, that's Seattle, and that's important, and anybody that kind of knows the live on Four Legs history knows that that has been lost to time. It was recorded on Record Store Day a very, very, very long time ago, and uh, it is it is the lost tape as of right now, but maybe someday we'll find it. Maybe we'll get it, but we don't want to ruin what we, what we have. Let's, let's just put it that way. Like with, like if we can find it, then let's get it. Let's not make something new, uh, just to, just to satisfy that show. And then you got to go to 2006. That, that was the other big tour year and they didn't really do Seattle per se. They did the gorge, which isn't in Seattle. So this is really the first major seattle show and we've been doing a lot of the key arena stuff because the you know it's either key arena or doing a kind of a practice gig at the showbox beforehand but this is this is the first actual key arena show in uh seven years yeah and 2009 is a year that we haven't done a lot of and almost none yeah and it's a little philly and and a Chicago mm-hmm. show from the third episode we did Chicago. Uh, and that was like the second show that I had ever been to. And that was our, our third episode that, that we, that we did. Yeah. So it's yeah. probably not even listenable at this point, but that, that is how far back that goes. Yeah. And, but and how less, said, how, how little we do of 2009. Yeah. And like, but backspacer had just come out the day before this. There was a whole push behind Backspacer. Like he talks about this with with Target being like an exclusive. Oh, Target exclusive. Yeah, that was the whole thing with this. And people remembered there was like the the turtle race that they were doing, like to promote like a. I forget if that was like a climate change thing or if it was just like an oceans awareness thing where they they had tagged these turtles, the sea turtles that were like migrating and they were kind of racing them. And Pearl Jam's entry was called Backspacer. And so people were kind of like, oh, that's going to be like, that's going to mean something. And so there was kind of like, you know, because it had been a few years since Avocado and that was a mixed react. That was supposed to be like the return, right? But it never really had the big single. So for for Backspacer, it was kind of like they're really pushing the fixer. You know, they're really pushing, you know, they they went on and did. I think Conan O'Brien was hosting the Tonight Show. Yep. That was his short-lived tenure, and they came on the very first show and did Got Some. So they were pushing well, that. Well, they, they were able to get in that window. Yeah. Is that yeah. Was, you're right. That that was like six months. Oh, less than that. I think it was like two or three months. Was it really that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You just have and think about now. He he's he's done now. You know, yeah. it yep. the show's over. So yep. when you think about it in hindsight, like he's he, getting into he's getting into podcasting. Stay in your lane, Conan. <laughs> he can keep got some though, <laughs> right? Uh, but that that's a great performance, and it was just kind of like, oh, Pearl Jam's back now. Like you would you would go to Target and you would see the like videos on the big screen. And you're like, this is weird. So it was yeah. definitely like a kind of a changing of the era a little bit. Yeah, they were they were sort of kind of trying to build back 
into, and I don't know if it was purposefully building back into a reputation of, you know, trying to be more mainstream or trying to be like, hey, because I think every, and, and Pearl Jam is classic rock now. Like, there's no doubt about yeah. it. They are classic yeah. rock. They're they're not classic rock in the same way that Pink Floyd or Boston or Van Halen is classic rock. They're grunge, grunge is dead, folks. Yes, very much so. Listen to the music that's out now, and it sounds nothing like what Pearl Jam are. Maybe they have a little bit of influence, but I doubt it. Uh, But they're clearly classic rock, and sometimes when you get into that sort of like, and and, you know, 2009 is getting close to the 20-year range there, I I think with the album in in general, it kind of was their first 2000s album that really had a, a more positive outlook to it. It happened, and it was written after Obama was mm-hmm. uh, was, was say, sworn Pearl into Jam, office. The Obama years, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I remember specifically. I don't. I don't remember what publication it was, but Ed specifically said, "Like, look, we have a lot less to be angry about now. You know, like we all of our anger was geared towards the war in Iraq, was geared towards President Bush, and now." that's kind of a bygone era. We can move forward and we sort and Ed at that point, I think in between had become a father. Um, I, you know, I, I think he had gotten married right after backspacer, but he's, you know, getting in that territory and some of the other guys, I think had kids in with, uh, in between avocado and backspacer as well. I can't, I can't confirm that. I know Matt's kids are a little older, but I, I want to say some of the other guys had had kids in that time. But, you know, they're they're a different band, and I think they feel really good about what they wrote. And that, yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of people, Backspacer is kind of controversial, I would say. Maybe not controversial, but yeah, polarizing. It's, it's, it's either very high or very low for people, I think. And it's it's a lighter album. Like if you, because a lot of people, they may not be into the, like the heavier emotional like weighty stuff, you know, and right. backspacer is kind of, it's more of a pop rock kind of record. The songs are catchy and fun. And like mm-hmm. some people, that's what they're into. And, you know, more power to you if, if that's what you're into, but it's, yeah, it's, it's divisive in that, you know, some people love it and they wish, they wish the fixer was played every night. Cause they, they love it. And some people, they just can't stand these songs. So yeah, it's, it's interesting what to see where it is, you know, here we are, you know, 12 years later. I know you fall somewhere towards the ladder of that uh, category. I'm I'm in between. I, I'm like the way I see Backspacer is I don't love every song off Backspacer, but what I do love about the album is I think that the way that it flows from song to song is excellent. I think that the way that the album is put together is just about perfect. I don't think it's the best. Brendan, Brendan O'Brien. Brennan O'Brien. Oh yeah, and it's their return to Brennan O'Brien. Yep. You know, the first since yep. what? I mean, technically yield, but binaural. He he did uh, he did the the final cut for binaural. So I, I guess, but he wasn't full on producer for that. So yeah, you're right. This is back to Pearl Jam being similar to that '90s band again. It has a little bit of that flair and a little bit of the the dad ed and dad band energy that you would get from the the latter 2000s. Uh, but you know, it almost reminds me of like, your like the cool uncle who's like, Hey, remember me? Like, um, cool stuff, kids. Like I shop at target. I like, (laughs) like, yeah, I like vinyl records too. Like, remember me? Like it's got kind of that undertone to it a little bit. And by the way, in this era, that's exactly what stone looks like. 
Yeah, that's that's yeah. the that is stone to a T right there. And I, I just have to address this because it's on my mind. I was going to mention it a lot later, but I have to address it now. A lot of people know that during during pandemic and quarantine that I grew out my hair. And for a while, I grew up my beard. Uh, I grew out my hair because I saw during this era of stone that he was able to have his hair that long. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm 10 years younger than stone was at this time. I can fucking do that. And I can look pretty cool like Stone did. And uh, I, I don't know if I, I've been able to accomplish Stone's level of, of awesomeness. <laughs> it's hard, but hard to get to. That's a high bar. It, it sure is. But if, it, you know, I feel, I, I, I feel like I, I've sort of, you know, at, at least uh, mimicked one of my, my, uh, my idols, so to speak. One, one, one can only aspire to Stoneness. It's hard to reach. Yes, uh, into to the Garden of Stone, I suppose. Um, uh, but but yeah, it, a different era, com- things completely changing, and I think a lot of people, like you mentioned, everybody has an opinion about it. But I, I run into people often that say, "Why do you talk so poorly about the Fixer?" I'm going to hang on to that and I'll, I'll wait to, till we actually talk about the fixer in this episode to say what I need to say. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to be pretty cool about everything in this one. I'm not going to be like, oh, backspacer sucks. And, and these songs kind of suck. Uh, I'm just not going to do that here, but you know, like the, there's I, some excitement. I, they, behind it. they were excited to play. these yes. songs. You get five debuts here. Absolutely. Some really good ones. These songs are just babies at this point, right? It's different. 12 years later. Yeah. 12 years later, it's so much different. And you know what? Who knows? After doing this show, it might reignite my my uh, my my passion for Backspace, or I might go back and listen to it a little bit more. Who knows? There was a lot from this show, and there's a lot of it I like, too. So, you know what? Let's talk more rock. Let's get into it. Let the show begin. And the way that we're going to do it, and they, they had some shows in 2009. Like I mentioned, I went to a show in Chicago, but they were, they were sporadic. They were... There was a random show in Calgary. They did a festival in Calgary, and they did sort of a thing in England for for a show or two. And they they kind of jumped around all over the place. There there was a show I think they did in Toronto, and uh, your your boy uh, Ted Leo was supposed to play and open I for them. That. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he wasn't allowed over the border because he forgot his passport. So it was kind of all over the place, and that that's sort of what this year was like. After they did. This show, they they went down to Universal City and they played a bunch of shows over there. I did four shows in Philly, but they did four shows in Universal City too. Right, exactly. So, yeah. you know, and people kind of either forget about that or or maybe just kind of get fixated on what happens on the East Coast and not what happens on the West Coast. But like they did a show in in Utah, like yeah, probably the first time doing Utah since two, uh, 1995. Washington, like a lot of kind of off out of off the beaten path places, right? So. Yeah. Obviously, Seattle's not off the beaten path at all. It, it, it's just a, a short bus or bus ride for them to take to get there. So that's where we are. We're opening up the show with Long Road. Oh, you today. 
had been a month since they had played. I think they, they had played uh, back in, in August. The show that I went to was on August 24th, and I think they did that Ted Leo show that I mentioned a couple days after that. So it had been a month, but this is really kicking off what they expect to be sort of the Backspacer era. And Long Road is one of those songs that is the beginning of something new. Whenever they play it, you feel like something is about to blossom. You think that, you know, they're leaving the past behind them and they're thinking ahead, they're thinking to the future. Off of that point that they didn't play Long Road at the shows recently and Mm. a lot of people Mm. thought that they would, you know, it, it is weird that we didn't get that because it's the same transition that we kind of would expect from the 2018 into 2021, but that that didn't happen. But here it does. And uh, I really, this sets a fantastic tone for this show. And, I, you know, one of the things, Mike has a really good show, but Cameron has an amazing show for this whole entire night. I, I can't, I, and Cameron, I think, during Backspacer really gets to work out of his comfort zone. He really gets to kind of uh, be involved in the writing process a little bit more, and it feels like he is a part of this and kind of driving the band a little bit too. And first song in, you're really feeling Cameron setting everything in motion, and uh, Ed's vocals are unleashed, and they're really good. The song can have a few different identities. Sometimes it can get more methodical, kind of like paced and setting an emotional tone, but this was just, just drive. Just hit those big builds, and when you dip down, build big after that and fantastic perfect loved it yeah don't forget the fixer is a cameron song like that was it, a it sure is just need to know need that to know you're right mm-hmm. yeah but yeah i agree the long road and it feels like every time we talk about long road i'm like this is one of the best long roads i've ever heard but this one is is right there in that lineage it goes really high you just wish his voice could still do that and yeah we get the the big emotional beginning here that we didn't get uh, over the last couple of weekends, but just a fantastic performance. The outro of Long Road, where he just kind of keeps it going. Oh, it's so cool and so great. It's just a perfect opening to the show. It felt like there was a, a sense of accomplishment with this version of Long Road, that's for sure. Uh, hard strum and whammy intro into Corduroy. Very, very excited crowd, which, hey, we've talked about this is a night one crowd. They did another show the next night. Night one Seattle crowds we've talked about before have been a little, little meh. I thought that this night one Seattle crowd was fantastic. I thought that there was a really good buzz from this. Yeah, 2009 is because is you, you have a lot more people traveling in, sure. in, in 2009 than in 2002 and 2098. So, yeah, I think this was this was a destination for people, absolutely. And, yeah, just a lot of excitement being with a new record and everything after three years. You think at that point, like, oh, my God, three years. It's so long since they put out something. And we then, like, a few years later, we'd wait seven. But, yeah, just a uh, yeah, great crowd. I, I love Long Road into Corduroy. Just the transition of it, just perfect. And Corduroy's fantastic. You mentioned Cameron before. It was a great show. Cameron's awesome on Corduroy. Yes, Matt is extremely yeah. strong during Corduroy. Um, but the, the thing that I get from Corduroy is just the energy that's on stage. Obviously, Mike is going to come completely unhinged on that solo, but there's before the, the song gets into its drive, Mike just leaps across the stage. It's a huge jump 
and like the band is feeling it. They're like, this is going to be our moment. This is going to be the future of us is going to be playing songs like this and just going at it and just feeling good about it. And when, when you see the Ed's first interaction with the crowd, he looks at them and he's he just says, uh, Let's see ya! move after that and it was just a wonderful sight you could tell that there was a really nice buzz in the crowd that everybody was going for it the band was feeling it the band was playing off of it a very very strong version of corduroy to play to those strengths definitely i thought these these two might be a couple of the best performances of the night I, we could go back to these yeah. absolutely yeah. but there are some backspacer songs and right now we're going to get to our first one and our first live debut of five the first one is Gonna See My Friend. song they've only attempted 15 times live in 12 years of, of having Backspacer in their arsenal. I've been lucky to see this once. They ended up closing a, a main set with it in Hartford, and I thought it was okay. It was fine. It was down-tuned a little bit, and it didn't have that, like, you know, complete drive punch that it has on the record. And, and when when I bought this record for the first time, put this song on, and I heard that screeching guitar in the beginning, I'm like, oh god, that's how we're getting into this record? That's phenomenal. And it was easily my favorite song for a very long time. And this version has that album burst, where you can tell the band is just feeling it. They're, they're taking that energy that they had from Corduroy. Mike is running over to Stoneside, jamming with Jeff a little bit. They're amped up. And we've said this about debut versions of songs before, but this could be the best version I, I've ever heard of Gonna See My Friend because of those aspects. Yeah, I think you might be right. And yeah, that's the thing that jumped out to me was seeing Mike and Stone together, just kind of jamming on it. And just the excitement, the joy they have in like being able to play a new song. Like you saw it over this past weekend, like just how excited they were to be, finally be playing these songs. And you know, it's, it's like that when you have a record like this, because with, the, with them, it's like you write the songs, then you have to go through the process of recording, and then you have to wait for it to be pressed, and you have to wait for the art to be done, and you have to wait for like uh, the record company to be ready, and like there's a lag time there, so when you finally get it on stage, it's like, oh, we can finally like play the songs for people, because yeah, you, you weren't getting these in, in Chicago, and some of those other places we talked about you know like you said you were getting got some and you were getting the fixer because those had been debuted but you weren't getting these deep cuts so people finally get the record and you finally like you put on that track one and you're like yeah this is this is going to be cool so yeah i agree i thought this was great maybe maybe the best out of the 15 performances 
Yeah. And I'd be lying if I said I've listened to all 15 of these. I probably listened to about seven or eight of them or, you know, probably, you know, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you all of the ones that I have listened to. But out of the ones that I remember, this one has has stuck out to me the most. Absolutely. I'm going to bring something up here now because I don't know where, where else to bring it up, but I want I, I should have brought it up in the beginning of the episode. Uh, the way that I was introduced to Backspacer is interesting because I was working at ESPN at the time. I was just starting there. I was a temp, and in September, it was my third or fourth month of working there. What happens sometimes with new records, with new albums, is that they will get promotional material to play during during games. And we had a bunch of songs. We didn't have the whole record, but we we had a couple and we had it at least a good week or two ahead of time. And I overheard or oversaw somebody going through the music and listening to it. That wasn't much of a Pearl Jam fan. I, I was looking back. I'm like, what are you listening to? And they're like, oh, yeah, uh, uh, Pearl Jam is, is our uh, artist of the month. I'm like, what? Pearl Jam's our artist? What? And, and I, I'm like, do we have all the songs? What songs do we have? What are, they, what, what are their titles? I was trying to get all the information. I, I specifically re- remember listening to two songs, Force of Nature and supersonic and getting because obviously when you're thinking about what they're being used for in september it's going to be all college football stuff that's all those songs i think we had got some which we're about to get into now uh i think we had got some we probably had the fixer and i would say that's it we we obviously didn't have just breathe or the end or johnny guitar speed of sound i i think those four songs got some fixer uh, Force of Nature and Supersonic were the ones that we were allowed to use. And we we were kind of allowed to use as much of it as humanly possible. At least that, that that's that's how it went for, for things like that. And at the time, I was so young working there that I had no experience in cutting montages or cutting like all these, you know, pieces that, that I used to use, uh, actual music like that for, like I cut, I cut a, a, a Stanley cup montage to a Lincoln park song. I cut an Alabama LSU BCS bowl montage to uh, gold on the ceiling by the black keys. Like that was the stuff that we were afforded to have at the time that I did some really, really fantastic stuff on it that I was really proud of. But this was before I had those, that skill set. So I wasn't able to use this. And then later you get what, uh, five years later when, uh, lightning bolt comes out and I'm like, yes, we're getting lightning bolt music. This is awesome. We were getting a couple songs <laughs> during the lightning, Bolt when, when we had access to the lightning bolt songs and I was so ready to use them, my responsibilities changed and I went from not doing that kind of work to doing some other sort of producing that had less to do with video editing and had more to do with, with writing. So uh, I was, I was really mad. I've never got to use it at, at my eight, nine years at ESPN. I never got to use actual Pearl jam music in, in any of my pieces. And, and that is my one regret that I have uh, from, from all that time yeah. there. So yeah. I figured I'd just mention that because it's a fun story. Uh, it connects to, to this album and it's, it's timely. I'm sure that me listening to force of nature was probably like two days before, uh, this show happened. So it, it, and, all and it goes in. back to is like, they were, 
they were pushing that stuff. Like you would yes. never have heard that with binaural. You would never have no. the no code. If you had heard no code on ESPN in 1996, you'd be like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, like, right. But yeah, it's just a different time. No, it, it took 25 years for for them to do no code on, on yeah. ESPN. So yeah. yeah, you're right. Backspacer definitely had more of a fan-friendly kind of kind of thing. They were pro- pushing that a lot more. So got some happens after going to see my friend. And that's kind of back-to-back with Hail Hail, which is is sending you up for this very strong five-song beginning. And got some was really, I, you go back to the Conan version, I, I think that was the first that debuted from the record, even before yep. Fixer. Yep. Fixer, I think, came out first as a single, but Got Some was the one that was introduced live first. And, you know, in this stage, I think a lot of people know my opinion on Got Some. If, if you've been part of this for a very long time, you kind of know how I feel about the song. I didn't feel like I did about the song then that I do now. That was planted in me probably within the, the, the Lightning Bolt tour when they were starting to use that song in an encore. It lost its bite a little bit. Putting it in between Crown of Thorns and like Do the Evolution is just flat and that, that can be a conversation for another time but but here you're spotlighting it at the top of the set it has a punch to it those drums that that's Matt Cameron again aggression uh, these songs have aggression to them we're going to talk about the fixer later fixer has some of that aggression but got some feels real it feels like they are into it it feels like they, they want to put every single ounce of their energy to getting this right. And this is the time period, obviously, but this is when it sounded really good. Yes, I, I think this is the, if you're going to get it, this is the time to get it. And over time, it's it's kind of lost some punch to it. I think it's become, they've, they've kind of softened the edges of it a little bit, but here it, it still had a little bit of the edge. So yeah, these two, I think, going to see my friend and got some back-to-back are probably maybe we'll get to one later that i like more but these two are probably my favorite from the record from this night yeah and uh, you know uh, not to leave out hell hell because that momentum oh, yeah. there's a lot yeah. of momentum that's building over transitioning into hell hell which kind of almost had this cool little ending could have been expanded on a little bit further but uh would have been interesting Think about what Jack could have done with that, you know, like yep. a little, yep. little outro on that. That that would have been very cool. We don't usually see that with Hail Hail, but that's a really good first five to rip through right there. And now you're going to get Ed addressing the hometown crowd. Glad you can make it. It's very special for us. We're trying to get the rocket ship off the ground here and the crowd just reacting. It's it's real. They are really good. And off everything that Ed is saying, they are are fired up and pumped to be there. Uh, Ed mentioned something about, you know, a, a, an inflatable space needle. I'm not sure what that's in reference to. I'm sure that there was something in the arena that was some kind of space needle, maybe outside of it. Who knows? They said, but if we tear the roof off this place, we'll be able to see the real one. We don't care what's been said in the press. The next song isn't about surfing. It's one of the two that isn't. And uh, this is our next debut from Backspacer. It's Amongst the Waves. Just you and me in 
before that the whole premise of Backspacer and some of the promotion went to uh, some ocean awareness and I think that's what Ed is is trying to say without, without actually saying it here is that Amongst the Waves isn't actually about surfing it's about uh, the love for, for the water and love for the ocean and uh, wanting to preserve it yeah I think they, they even did a 7 inch I think with a live version of this from Australia and a live version of Unthought Known that was like a benefit for I don't, I don't think it was the music for another ocean but it was some sort of ocean related thing i want to say around this time so yeah absolutely and this is amongst the waves is one that like it never caught on like it probably should have like it's a it's a great mic solo and it just never got to that next level like some of them do yeah i i, I like the song live I, I i agree with that and it, it stuck around look 49 performances is way more than the 15 that go to see my friend have it's way yeah. more than the 17 that johnny guitar that we're going to talk about in a second is going to have only played once in 2018 right and i was i was fortunate to be at that show and that was kind of a kind of a surprise that day so it had a little bit of staying power but it's sort of in the middle there it's not unthought known it's not got some it's not just breathe where they're really like pushing it It, it's just kind of like okay if we need something and and this is a good fill we haven't played something in a very long time what's a good sort of deep track on an album yeah they'll go back to this but you know you remember what i was trying to say about retrograde when it first came out that i i thought that it had potential to be the unthought known of gigaton yeah i actually think that retrograde is the amongst the waves of gigaton and seven o'clock is is the unthought known hopefully hopefully retrograde will get to that next level and we'll be buried yeah, I, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. going to be buried. I, I, I just think that seven o'clock has the expectations on it were that oh they wouldn't play it. It's it's a song that is kind of riddled with uh, with the past and and why would you want to focus on the past? But it really is one of those building songs where you can just sing and 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 have those moments, have euphoric moments like Unthought Known. And you know, I think Retrograde has a couple of those, but I think it has similar kind of build to amongst the waves where it gets to it gets to a point and then kind of yes it's it's kind of a triumphant moment but then you know it sort of just stays there and and it and it finishes up it's kind of the Uh, second level of soaring pearl jam it's not uh, yes it's not given to fly it's not in my tree it's not better man or something like that but it's it's at that the the next level underneath those it's a good performance, but when you think of the top tier of the backspacer, it is definitely the the second tier. But this is one of my favorite songs off the record, I will say that. Uh, and I've had really good moments where I, I, I felt this song at times of positivity and used it and, and felt really good, which I'll bring up this this date specifically that we're doing the show is is 921. I will bring that up a little bit later because that it, it ties into another story. But Amongst the Waves is uh, is a little bit a part of that. So after that, we get a little bit of the hits. We get Daughter into Evenflow. Ed mentions that it is nice to be playing these songs for the first time. However, daughter, even flow, no, not not the first rodeo with these. 
There's no tag on daughter. It's pretty short, pretty sweet. And it felt like even flow was going to be like something that might rips on right away. Just a master clash of shredding. Like you can feel something in the beginning of the song where it's almost like a ticking time bomb that Mike had set himself to a, a, a certain dial. And when they were able to kind of hit that and Mike was able to really explode, he waited for that moment and then just fired away. Like it felt like that was pent up in this and, and it worked out really well. Me too. I think it here it's, it's the crowd for me and, and Mike, Mike's great on even flow, but it's the crowd gets to sing on both daughter and even flow. These were really some big moments, especially after, you know, you've gotten three new songs out of the previous four and you didn't get a release to open. You didn't get a big sing-along. Even Corduroy is one that everybody knows, but it's not really a sing-along. So this was kind of the first opportunity for the crowd to kind of let loose and, and give it back a little bit. I thought they, they did that very well. Going back to the thing where, you know, night one hasn't been a traditionally, you know, historically good crowd, but this one, like you said, this one was, I thought they showed it here on Daughter and Even Flow. Yeah, and, and look, Mike at the end is just, he almost refuses to stop shredding yeah. at the end. I wonder if that has uh, uh, that's a reaction to what the crowd is doing. It's like, all right, if you're going to keep going, I'm going to keep going. Shit, this is great. So, yeah, you're right. The crowd is fantastic. Big reaction. And Ed, what is his never vote Republican? He said for, yeah, yeah, never vote for what's his name. So I wonder if that's like a, a callback to Bush. I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a teaser for what would come later, the Nova Southern stuff. Oh, he just maybe okay, couldn't okay, remember okay. that guy's name. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, all right, that makes a lot of sense. All right, uh, we'll move forward here. Ed shouts out Mike and uh, says the next song is about another guitar player named Johnny. This is the live debut of a song that is a bit polarizing in Pearl Jam's catalog. Jeff had mentioned recently that at the last show that that Sweet Lou was voted the second worst Pearl Jam song. I wonder where Johnny Guitar is. I think it is in the bottom ten. trying to offend the song because really there's not like the only per se bad like legit cannot listen to this Pearl Jam song in any setting is Olay that's the only one that I've ever (laughs) said that about yeah Yeah. Johnny Guitar by any stretch is not a bad song it is just not a good Pearl Jam song and and it can sound really elitist and really awful of me to say yeah but Think about the kind of songs that they've written. Johnny Guitar does not. It, it, it's a square peg. The thing that they, I think turns me off on it, and it's, it's not one of my favorites. It's in my, it's probably my bottom three. What turns me off is the, the delivery of the vocals. I think that 
The reason even smiling known to him and like I just, it just it just that's very dad end. It's, it's I don't I don't like it. I I really just don't like the song and that's me personally. And if people love the song, then that's that's fine. More power to you. This one we are I thought, in the majority, um, but there are Backspacer yeah. fans that listen to this show. So and so yeah, like I like I mentioned last week, you know, we we're gonna get some songs here that we hardly ever talk about, and we they've only played this one 17 times, so we almost never talk about it. This one, because when it came up after even flow, I was like, all right, so we're going to get through this, and then we're going to get to the next one, and we're going to move on. But there was one part of it where they're they're transitioning, I think, to the the last chorus, maybe, and it they kind of play it a little heavier, like it gets almost yeah. do a little breakdown on it. And yeah. I was like, oh yeah, do that, like do something different with it. Like this is another one, just like gonna see my friend just like amongst the waves that never really caught on like they never really had a chance to become something live like unthought known has become like just breathe has become like even something like got some has become where it's found a place in, in a set like it, it serves a purpose but this i think just it just kind of it just kind of kills the momentum it just doesn't and i you know after even flow you you sure you're doing kind of a reset you're getting into the second half of the set and that this is the place for it but still i just i don't think it does anything for the set it's awkward and and weird and uh, i didn't love it there are some songs that are permanently lodged in an era and sure. Sure. You know, there are going to be some like buckle up might be that for gigaton uh, buckle up might never get played in the next record. Oh, watch era. yourself. Watch yourself. We're team I, buckle up I, here. We are team buckle up. Yes, <laughs> but it's a different, it's a different conversation live. What's another good example? Like take the long way might not be. And it's, that's a very good, that one surprised me. Not a lot of people talking about that one, but that one is a pretty good live song. It might even be but, something like river cross. I, it, it could end up being River Cross because it's or, just or that's dance just, is a clairvoyance, yeah. Oh, I think dance. I think dance is a keeper. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but like, hey, look, Minor Manners, Lightning Bolt. They weren't played at all this weekend, at all. Those were songs that have been played over hundreds of times during uh, the seven year span. Those were the ones that were, were kept around, and they were just like, no, we're we're, we're off a of Lightning Bolt. But Johnny Guitar just is one of those that just stays in this spot if you didn't see the band in 2009 2010 then you likely don't have the opportunity to see johnny guitar unless something really miraculous happens you know hasn't been played in since 2011 it's funny september 21st as a matter of fact oh that that's uh that's a nice little relation to that yeah i actually I, i i have seen this live your heart for show Yep. The Hartford show. And I, I, along with gonna see my friend and speed of sound was played that night too. So like, that's all of the really rare backspacer stuff that, that, that was played. It kind of got lucky in that aspect. And then the next night that I saw them, they played force of nature. So I really was able to get everything, but the next Hartford show they played in 2013, this was actually on the original set list, believe it or mm. not. And they scratched it off. I don't, I don't know yeah, if like yeah. they thought back to, hey, we played this in Hartford. It sounded pretty good then, like sound good now. And then it just didn't really have a place. I think they crossed it off for it was like infallible or something like that. It, it was something newer. Uh, but it, it just it just doesn't seem to to work within this current catalog. And that's OK. Sometimes you just need songs for certain eras. And mm. this this one fits in there. Like you said, but, seven, but this, next one, though, times. this next one, though, the exact opposite. 
The exact opposite. Absolutely. This is the fourth debut of the night. It is unthought known. I think this was the one out of the five debuts that I was really intrigued to hear the most because this is the one that has grown the most out of all these. Even 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 Just Breathe has grown a lot. But Unthought Known went from sort of the seventh track, a deeper cut, one that the fans were kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty good on the record, but where does it stand live? What are you going to bring to it live? And even through through a friend that had talked to Mike about this song. Mike didn't particularly love the album recording of it. However, they play it live, and probably after this night, he probably went backstage and said, holy shit, that was amazing, because this is apparently one of Mike's favorite songs to play, which, yeah. who would blame him? Yeah, this, immediately, you, you, you can feel that, like, this is gonna be something. Look love, never dance, that This one has become a, a fixture in the set, and for good reason. It's probably the best written song on that record. You can you can go back and forth with just breathe if you want, but Unthought Known is, is just a classic Pearl Jam song. To hear the debut here, and I don't think I had ever. It's, I may have heard this, you know, back when the, when they first released the Bootlegs, but just from the jump, just an immediately fantastic performance, just elevated above the album recording so much from the very beginning and you just, you can tell that this is going to be something special and it's great it's one of the best performances of the night Why I 100% compare it to what 7 o'clock has become Uh, Quick Escape, yeah The two songs that were played four times all four shows were Dance of Clairvoyance, I think everybody knew that that was coming, and 7 o'clock was the only other one, and I think to a lot of people, again, 7 o'clock, the lyrics and, you know, sitting bullshit and all that, sort of kind of written in the past, but it made it work, and I think they knew that they had something with it, it has that same soaring ability, that same atmospheric sound, a lot of cohesive parts, they're very, very similar songs, and I know I said that originally about Retrograde, and I thought Retrograde was going to be the unthought known but this is kind of why we love intaking all this because uh, they end up proving us wrong about 85 to 90 percent of the time and uh yeah. that that's yeah. that's the craziest thing about it but uh another aspect to, to show how proud they were of this song and how much they loved it is that they were able to play two songs on snl and this was one of them they didn't play the fixer or got and, some on SNL. And you know what? And you, I, that's funny because I was just thinking, new season of Saturday Night Live just started. How cool would it be to get Pearl Jam on at one point this season? Have them play Dance of Clairvoyance, have them play Quick Escape, something like that. Oh, it'd be amazing. 
this is uh, Ed talking about not wanting to discuss politics, but then brings up issues like airstrikes and healthcare. And this is really when uh, the healthcare bill, the uh, healthcare for all, Obamacare, was really being pushed and and going through struggles in Congress and 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 all that. And uh, you know, Ed Ed sort of uh, takes a left turn here and says the whole band wanted to show support for Obama because. And I don't know what this is referencing, but they were like, because we think Kanye West is a jackass, too. Yeah, what is this is. referencing? I think o- Obama had said something about how Kanye West was a jackass. I don't remember. I that. remember there was some quote, just one of those kind of frozen in time references. But I remember <laughs> there was there was something that he had said. Yeah, it had okay. to be around this time. Yeah. OK, uh, not, not not crucial to the show. No, but a year prior was the whole debacle at Bonnaroo where Yeah, where probably a Kanye, little, bit a, little bit of a nod to that as well, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, that gets you into a trio of songs here that at least one doesn't make sense with the other two. Worldwide Suicide into Elderly Woman into Off He Goes. Worldwide Suicide for a while was a good holdover from Avocado, but after a certain point, I think when you get into Lightning Bolt... Yeah. It was completely dropped after yeah, a while. It hasn't been played since, what, 2014? 2014, 2014, right. Yeah. And, and even some of those other avocado ones have, have been brought back a little bit. I think they did, like, Marker in the Sand at one of those 2016 shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Worldwide Suicide, Severed Hand a little bit, uh, Life Wasted a little bit, was sticking around. You know, the, the, you're starting to see what's going to last from avocado here. And uh, there, there's still a war happening. There's, this is still kind of a relevant tune. So they seem pretty amped, and it seems like it's hitting all the right spots for them. Uh, it's not either of our favorites. I used to like it a lot, but I think uh, along with some of the Backspacer songs, this has sort of been lost to time for me, and it's lost her yeah. worn off a little bit. It wasn't terrible. That's about the best I can say for it. But it's funny with the Avocado record, it's funny, like, the very end of that record has had more staying power than a lot of the other parts of it. Like, that's very true. Ins- inside job and come back. Even mm-hmm. even Army Reserve has, has had more of a life than a lot of those songs. So Wasted Rises has yeah, been Wasted more Rise, common than almost yeah. all. So funny how the very end of that record has become the, the part that stuck around that you would not have predicted. Small Town, Off He Goes, they're kind of sit-down things. And we talk about, like, Elderly Woman, how it could be more, like, ethereal and it could be more just, like, atmospheric and sometimes some more sing-along. I feel like the driving force of that, and it, it's really the way that you have to listen to Matt on versions of Elderly Woman. If he's using, like, heavy cymbals, if he's very heavy on the cymbals, if he's very heavy on the tom, then you know that, like, it's got a a very sensitive approach to it where they're taking it seriously. It's feeling more like a folky song. It's it's building to those, that passionate crescendo in uh, right before the last uh, last verse. There are also versions where he kind of can let up a little bit and it opens the song up where you hear more of Ed, you hear more of the acoustic guitar kind of ring out, and that's when you get a sing-along version. This 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 is the former. This is one of the driving versions. I feel like Matt did a really good job of making sure that it, it became one of those. Yeah, this elderly woman is wearing a, 
Wearing a Rolling Stones shirt, not a Bob Dylan <laughs> shirt. For sure. Absolutely, yeah. for sure. You know, same kind of mentality for, for Off He Goes, and, and Off He Goes, I think, was uh, was dedicated to to some friends uh, that Ed said he wanted to sing the song for. And in mid-song, Ed wanted to pass a, a guitar pick to to a kid, so that happened, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, cool. Um, but, like, yeah, they, they work really well in tandem together. I don't, I don't think you, you think about that too much, because Elderly Woman's kind of beginning of the set, and Off He Goes is kind of mid to later in the set. Their clicks don't usually uh, mesh too often, but I I, I thought that uh, they worked well off each other. I thought that, and, and Mike Solo and off he goes was was something very different. I don't know if you noticed that he was just kind of. I don't know if he was just fucking around or or was just like, eh, like let's not do what I actually yeah. do. He's just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. It's like where where is this going? Yeah, off he goes is similar to Small Town in that it can be played a, a bunch of different ways, and they can kind of go more like I said, almost Rolling Stones with it, where it can have a little more of a bounce to it, or it can be more Dylan-esque and folkier. And I think Mike has a lot to do with that. So yeah, I think you're onto something. That kind of segues you into the end of the show section here. There's not really a hit per se. If you want to call The Fixer the promotional song in this, yes, but there's no Jeremy, there's no Better Man, there's no Porch to end this set. It's finishing the last four are down, save you, The Fixer, and Life Wasted. Three of those four were the most promoted songs off their album. It's good stuff. Like Mike is Mike is soloing on Stoneside during during Down and Matt's still really good in this and Save You is always a welcome addition oh, uh, to, to a set. Save You here just rips. It's yeah, this is one of the best ones. Absolutely. Uh, that, this is the highlight of the the late set for me. This is this is a good one. You're right. And I, I never said a bad thing about Save You in my life. I always welcome it. Especially you get it early in the set. I get fired up but it's great late in the set too. I think I think it comes as sort of a surprise, but you you stop at it's something I, I always like when Save You uses momentum into the next instead of stopping and sort of catching breath a little bit, and that's yeah, what they do here. It's, it's a setup. It's not it's not the it's not the closer. It's the setup. Right, right. Like it, it's go- It's great before a corduroy. Yeah, it's one of those songs. But Ed in in this little little spot here, Ed mentions that he went to target this is this is just like product uh, placement here this i rolled my eyes at this too this was yeah. awful he's like ah i went to target to buy the album like dude fuck off come on we okay we get it we we've seen the commercials I don't, I don't even think he says he went there to buy the album he was just like i was in target i just assumed it was to buy the album yeah, but yeah. He, he mentions that the album is on vinyl. So at the time, 2009, he was like, oh, well, vinyl in a department store. How would that ever happen? And uh, now we're at the point where you can't get rid of vinyl in department stores. Now it's all over the place. And it's kind of, I think, John, the, the, the purple 10, that is uh, like yeah. the one thing that you absolutely stayed away from and could do. Yeah, just I... So support your local independent record stores, people. There's there's no need to buy records at Target. They don't need it. They've always been a supporter of vinyl. Everybody knows that. They're a big reason that I got into it back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm not putting them down for doing that. They they felt like they had to do what they had to do. But but I can I, yeah I can do without the product placement for Target at this point. 
Yeah. Uh, why, why do you need to promote Target? And they've been such champions for places like Easy Street Records and whenever they go to a place like New York City or, yeah. uh, you know, like, a, like L.A. that have really important record stores that, especially at this time, needed to stay alive. You just don't. Why? Why Target, man? You know, it's. Yeah. But whatever. I think that, it is, and that was a, that was a big thing, too. Like it, it was a big Pearl Jam partners with Target to do yeah. like it was like. It, at the time, it was like there were there was a significant, I think, portion of the fan base that was like, "Huh, really?" Yeah, the, the, my, the, guy, myself, the guys that said, included. "The guys that said fuck you to Ticketmaster are all all yeah. of a sudden in bed with Target, and that, and honestly, that are all of a sudden in bed with Ticketmaster now as well." So yeah. you know, things things always kind of change, and and people want to call it sellout, but I don't think you can really sell out after. 20 years of doing what you do. You just grow up. So, okay, The Fixer as a song, going back to Got Some, that had a little bit more fire, a little bit more pop. I, I feel like you get that from Fixer, too. Like, the guitar sounds, they're heavier. They, they uh, It feels like there's a little bit more intensity there. And, you know, I don't know if later versions of The Fixer kind of have the mat sort of that, that click. You know that click that happens in the verse? You, you know that part, what I'm talking about? I don't know if versions of the fixer later on have something like that. And it's just that little flourish that's on the album too. That sounds really good. Well, that it's only been played once since 2015, so we don't have a lot of, a lot no. of examples. I don't remember anything from even 2013 or, or even 2010 when they played this a lot that yeah. had that sort of like more aggressive drum percussion introduction to it. That's that's Matt. That's his song. Right. So he's, yeah. you're right. He could do whatever he wants to it. But uh, look, I think we mentioned it before. There are a lot of backspacer people out there that really support the record, that really support the fixer, and that have addressed, said, hey, you guys do a really good job with your show, but why do you hate the fixer? 2009, I loved the fixer. I had no problem with it. When Jason Bay played for the Mets, that was his at bat music, was the fixer. And every time I went to a game, when you hear that, Dun, dun, dun. Every time I slapped my knees, I went dun, 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 and I like I remember people looking at me like, "What the fuck are you doing?" This is another one where the the vocal delivery is a little weird for Ed. Like it's not something that I think is really in his wheelhouse. No, and, no, no. And it's it's just it's just awkward and it, it doesn't flow very well. And hey. I don't. Yeah, it just doesn't do anything for me. It's never going to. Uh, be back in the same graces as it was but it is nice yeah, yeah. to have the feel of this is how I felt about the fixer and what I liked about the fixer back in 2009 instead of what I see now as being like uh, that's that's just kept back in 2009 I am able to separate that which is kind of amazing that, that it's it's even possible to do that so you're finishing off the set with Life Wasted here. I thought it was a little bit of a train wreck. Yeah. Uh, it sounds, sounded like he was running low on gas a little bit, uh, although Stone's luscious locks are bouncing in full force, and he's jamming with Jeff, and Mike cranks out a pretty killer solo at the end. This, this one seemed like they were just running on a little fumes at the end of the set and just needed to move on. And if you look at 
the encore, the first encore, there are only four songs in the first encore. And, and they, they, again, we'll, we'll see that at the end of that encore in the beginning of encore two, that, that Ed is losing a little steam in some of those songs again. Yeah. And again, beginning of tour, beginning that, of tour. Right. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. not, he's not in, in mid, mid tour form. Yeah. Right. So that, that, that's just the nature of the beast and is what is. And, uh, but that's okay. And that's how you end that set. Life Wasted was brought back this past weekend. So a little tie in there. It was. Yep. We're at the encore now. Let's pause for station identification. Not much to say this week. Just again, live on fourlegs.com. I, I hope you guys are bookmarking it. I hope you guys are, are visiting it on the regular. This week, we had put out the Concertpedia reviews for both of the encore shows. And of course, uh, the Ohana and See Here Now uh, shows that happened weeks ago are on the site already. So if you want to read through those, those are great reads. Uh, I, I wrote one of them. Patrick Biggles wrote one of them. And Brian Horowitz is, uh, wrote the second encore one, I believe. So shout out to everybody that did that. And every day this, this month that there's an anniversary of the 2014 tour, what's happening, John? We are going to be releasing our 2014 Concertpedia reviews on those days. So on the seventh anniversary of all those shows, you'd be able to go to liveonfourlegs.com and read what our contributors wrote about the shows, kind of relive a little bit. I believe what it, this is the sixth when this comes out. So the day before, we have Austin City Limits that came out, which is actually happens to be our episode for next week. And then on Friday, this coming Friday, is going to be Tulsa. And then after Tulsa, I believe, will be Lincoln, which is a, a show yep. that we've covered on the podcast before. Yep. And then after next week, oh boy, that's when we get into the real stuff. The Moline right. will come out and Milwaukee will come out. And then at some point Denver will come out. So yeah, those are the shows. Not to mention Memphis, the show that you and I were at. We were both in Memphis, right? And Detroit is one that's held in very high regard as well. So that'll be a nice little run uh, for, for a couple days stretch over there. So yep, keep it locked in on liveonfourlegs.com. If you want to support the liveonfourlegs.com project, support the show, patreon.com slash live on four legs. Uh, that's where you can do it. That's where you can support us at Patreon. Look, I, I don't say this to be like, oh, we don't, I don't say it for that aspect, whatever I just said, which I didn't say anything, but I say this to, uh, to entice. And I say this because I have a lot of extra merch sitting around and I want to do some stuff with. So if you sign up, for $1 a month and make a commitment, you can, hell, if you want to make a commitment for the full year of Patreon, that's only, that's going to save you $2 if if you're doing the dollar bonus tier. It's going to save you $2, you'll be spending $10 a year. That's that's your membership for the whole entire year is $10. You're saving two if you do it for the whole entire year, pay for the whole entire year. And even patrons that are current right now, you can switch over to doing that, that pay service. And same goes for the giga leg. Same goes for the horizon leg as well. But what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get at is if you want to donate to the bonus leg tier, what we will do is we have a little sticker and button package that we have all set up. We have uh, made a bunch of these. There are three stickers, three pins, and uh, we're going to send them to anybody that decides to join our Patreon this month. And it could be, look, that's why I say the bonus tier. It could be the bonus. It could be the gig leg, whatever it is, whatever you decide to, uh, to join in on, we will send you some stickers and some pins as a thank you for that. And, uh, you know, for, for current patrons, we'll try to get to everybody as well. We'll try to send a little something, uh, to everybody that supported the show in the last little while, uh, as well. And very soon, 
We say it every week. We're like a broken record, but very soon we will get back to doing those exclusive episodes. We were just talking about it today. We need to do something from 1991. We need to do the Given a Fly Evolution episode. Trust me, we're trying to make time work out for it. And uh, time is time has been uh, very difficult to come by uh, the last couple of weeks, but we're going to make it happen because uh, uh, we're, we're in it for you guys and, and we know you guys like the content. Yeah, so and we want to keep And we're back right. waiting for shows again. We don't have anything. You're right. Where we're done with Pearl Jam shows for the year, probably. So we're back to uh, we're back to waiting for the next announcement. That's where more content comes in. More announcements, more content. Let's just put it that way. But uh, this is this is where we get creative, and and when we need content in between the content, we will do stuff like evolution episodes. So. That is on hand. Give it a fly. Evolution will come out in October. I can at least promise that. And then uh, maybe a new series, maybe two new series. Who knows? The way you'll find out is to go through patreon.com slash live on four legs or search for live on four legs on Patreon's app. All right. Back to the rock. We're in the encore. Ed is talking about couples who play together. I believe he mentioned Kim and Thurston uh, from Sonic Youth. And makes mention to the string section that is about to perform Just Breathe with them. And performing on the viola is April Cameron. A couple of weeks ago, I believe we had an April Cameron appearance on the show, didn't we? I think so. Yeah. Was yeah. it during like Parting Ways or something like that? And uh, so. In Key Arena? Mm-hmm. So it, that makes a lot of sense. But I, I guess I didn't know this about Matt's wife, that she was a viola player. That uh, if yeah, she's she, playing she, in... She's played on the records and stuff too, yeah. It's very cool. That's very yep. cool. Obviously, knowing uh, what what Ray's done, his son, that's uh, a very musical inclined family. So uh, that's that's like two athletes getting married. You know that you're going to have like an Olympic uh, sprinter of two athletes <laughs> get married. So um, yeah. just breathe and the end are what your string section is. Not just April. It's uh, I believe there's a cello and there's a violin as well that's there. It's the live debut. Just breathe, but they had played the end before. I believe it's the the third time they're playing the end, if I'm not mistaken, second, uh, the, sec- the second, the second. I actually, so they- actually heard the end. I think Ed had done a solo tour before this over the summer in 2009. <clears throat> and I, I had gone to see one of the shows in Atlanta and he played the end there. So yeah, I got to hear it. So the, the end is kind of like backspacers river cross or river cross is kind yeah. of like gigatons. The end. Yeah. That, that makes sense because river cross the same way it was played yeah. solo. But Just Breathe is the live debut. This is live debut. And this is, I kind of made mention of it before what the date of the show was. It's uh, 921. And for those of you that have followed the show for for a little bit and kind of know me and and know what's happened in my personal life for the last couple of years, in 2019, I got married in September. It happened to be on September 21st, which was the 10 year anniversary of this show and this debut of this song, which happened to be our first dance song. So I don't know how many people out there remember, but I definitely that morning posted the link to this YouTube clip saying amazing how it's been 10 years since they debuted it for the first time. And the next time I'll hear the song will be, I'll be dancing with my wife. And I thought that that was very special to me. And, and I think Mainly out of the two Seattle shows that that had happened, I picked this show because of that. It's great how that all worked out together for you. That's that's a really nice like 
thing to have like everything tie in together because it's just a song that's taken on more of a meaning for people than almost any Pearl Jam song from the 2000s yeah like it's it's just it's a song that's that's taken on a new life and it's grown so much live you know you think that he does the little the little intake the now before he sings along he added that at some point and it's just really special now and and you your story is i'm sure a lot of people have a story like that with this song because that's one of the best songs on this record and this performance is fantastic it's a little faster than we're used to hearing it. I was going to say it was a bit fast, yeah. The, the, but the strings are great. The bass, Jeff's playing bass on it. So A+. plus. Mike's adding some little guitar notes and little tones and stuff, little runs and stuff that he's doing, which is really cool. I didn't hear and Boom too much. Did Boom have his normal yeah, spot I don't know. in this? I don't know. I have to go back and watch it again. This is just great to see the, the genesis of all of that you want to get it's so interesting to get to as close to the beginning as you can and with Pearl Jam we can do that a lot and this is another one of those just a unique exceptional performance I can't disagree with that and I I agree with with Just Breathe being on its own plane of when you think of quotes and you think of people getting tattoos i think uh whether it's like um title stay with me stay with me let's just breathe there's so many like my favorite line in the song is i don't want to hurt there's so much in this world to make me bleed and it was our first dance song and we had a band that played and uh i just want to say that the band butchered the fucking song i've probably mentioned this on the show before but uh, yeah, they, they used that line, my favorite line in the whole song, and they said, there's so much in this world to make me believe, and I, you can see on the wedding video, I roll my eyes. And I love going back to both of our reactions during this, and we're just like, what the fuck are they doing? Because they skipped verses, they went all over the place just to, to fit things in, and, it, and yeah, it, it, it didn't work. This version was much better. <laughs> this 921 version was much better than, yeah, uh, yeah. than 10 years later, but it's special no matter which one. The end. Not one that we talk about too much. It's been played 27 times, so closer to the bottom, but not as bottom as Speed of Sound or Johnny Guitar or Gonna See My Friend or something, but it's lower. But it doesn't have the same qualities at all that Just Breed does. Yeah, it's, it's got the string section, but... It's weird to get them back-to-back because you're going from, like, super positive to super depressing. Like, it's, yeah. a, weird, it's a weird transition. Yeah, I wonder why they would play them back to back like that. And you can tell the crowd loving Just Breathe and kind of waiting at that pause and the end just like being like, what? Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you, Ed. And it's just Ed and and the string. There's not much to it. I think on the record, it's a little bit different. It's very it's very produced on the record. I I think very much overproduced. Yeah, right. So not not one that's really stuck around the game too often, but it, it definitely comes up here and came up early in this tour a bunch of times. Look, we're getting another song that's stuck around the avocado record right after, and it's inside job. And it feels like this song, and we've heard really good versions in 2006. It feels like this song got better with age. Anytime they kept playing it, and and look, they they don't play it too often now, but it's always one of those when they do play it, I, I, I feel like it's always one people go back to saying that was a moment from this. And I can go back to this version and say that same thing. It has 
the Mike with the double neck. That's a spectacle. Yep. Just the great build and progression in the beginning, that eerie vibe where it just keeps going like that. Earl Jam songs don't have that. That's like, you know, it, it's kind of jammy. It's kind of almost like Pink Floydish in a way, where Pink Floyd can kind of do an instrumental for three minutes into a song. It's different, but it's so good and it works for them. And uh, it's just big cathartic moments at the end. You you tell that the the band is feeling it. You you tell that the crowd is 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 feeding off of it, and it's a really good moment. You're gonna end the set with Rearview Mirror. This was a really good back to back with a song like Rearview Mirror. Yeah, Inside Job kind of picks up where the end left off, but it kind of ends up with into that soaring range that Pearl Jam can do. The end of it is so triumphant and cathartic. It's fantastic. off of that and it's always fantastic in 2009 rearview mirrors are amazing they were it was getting stretched out a little more they were doing some weirder things with it yep and it's it's great and the, like, like I, w- I wonder if there was something if like we like you mentioned this encore one is very short i wonder if there was something that was cut because of you know they were just tired or if mm-hmm. you know what if, if there were maybe some other stuff that would have been there but yeah quick but really interesting four song little mini encore set there Cameron to me again, good Matt Cameron show, huge highlight on River Mirror. That ride symbol, just just bringing the extra flavor with the ride symbol, and it just it, it drives the song. You, know, you hear that when you hear that ding 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 ding. That kind of it, it, it's back and forth with the bass right there. You, you feel that bouncing off of each other, just so good, and it just builds up so much more momentum. Rearview Mirror is always a good roller coaster ride, and uh, yeah, that took you for a nice ride. Right it, there. it might really. be it might be the Pearl Jam song that's best suited for Cameron. It might be his best yeah. song that, that he does with them. Yeah, uh, that's crazy to say. That's a hot take. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, it, it's crazy to say because you can maybe say that for Jack too. Outside of like in my train and mortality, Rearview Mirror yeah. might, might be right there for Jack too. So yeah. I think it's just a song that drummers fucking love. Let's just put it that way. Encore two to begin. You have Give It a Fly, Evolution, Better Man, some hits to start this off. Give It a Fly is dedicated to Ben Harper and the Relentless Seven, who I believe opened up this show. Uh, I'm going to get back to a point from about Ben Harper in a minute or two, but you get two yield to begin the encore too. I don't think I don't think that happens too often, but it's yeah, the most first, common first yield of the set. 
it, it's the most common of the yields, both of these. So yeah, like I, you know, another symbol heavy uh, matte evolu- version of evolution. A stone obliterates a solo evolution. Keeping a fly is a good build to it too. Um, it's starting to lose a little power in his voice here, but that you know, they, again, going back to the idea, it's the first of the tour, so it, it's bound to happen. But and it happens in Better Man too. But um, yeah, th- th- these are the hits, and and that's 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 how you like them, especially Better Man. That no tag, fast ending, crowd take in the beginning, everything that you kind of like from these songs that make them the hits are are working for these three. Yeah, crowd friendly. Absolutely. This is this is cool. This is probably one of the cooler moments of the, of the set because this doesn't happen very often. Ed invites some friends to the stage. They're local musicians and they all have uh, brass and wind instruments and they're about to do the real me. The way that you know, Quadrophenia's real me happens with horns. It sounds Garrick. We get Skarrick is here from, oh. from Mad Season and Critters Buggin. Wow, I didn't even he's been around, put that together he's been around for a while. Yep. Wow. So yeah, I mean, this is important on a lot of different levels here. I was very impressed because it sounded like Quadrophenia, and it sounded kind of you know when you think of Quadrophenia and you think of horns, you think of 515, you think real me. Like those songs that really stand out on that on that record. It's another tribute to one of Ed's absolute all-time favorites, and I think they they definitely made did right by it. Yeah, this is cool, but I think Jeff had some issues. I don't think he was there. And when I, when I saw them play this in in Charlotte in 2013, he fucking nailed it. On the, you need on the, the bass, bass for the song. You're right. He was he was not as confident doing those runs here. I think he was mm-hmm. he missed a couple of notes and he he wasn't all the way there with it. But he he would get there soon after this. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been at shows where there have been perfect versions of Real Me. I believe they played Real Me at that Chicago show that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And I think they it tore the house down again. Jeff was a big, big factor in that. So yeah, you're right. You need you need the bass to be working for the song to, to be on all cylinders. Before getting into the last two songs, Ed brings up Nirvana when Nirvana played Key Arena at some point. That's weird to say that Nirvana played Key Arena because every time that I've seen clips of Nirvana, they're playing in a basement in New Haven, Connecticut, which is a real thing. That's on YouTube, yeah. by the way. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, by 93, 93, 94, they were playing big places. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I My favorite Nirvana is when they're playing aneurysm in like some somebody's like backyard or some shit yeah, like that. Yeah. That's my favorite Nirvana. Uh, but mentions that he got a call from Chris Novoselic and is talking about local politics from a decade ago. I don't think we need to go into that. I don't know how relevant it is right now, but just know that at the time, Ed and uh, Novoselic, and, and we saw recently, I think Matt and he uh, took a picture together at one point, um, yeah. I, I believe before See Here Now. So like, Yeah, he got really big into like, close. local Seattle politics for a while. That kind of leads into indifference. And I mentioned Ben Harper before, but we don't get Ben Harper on indifference here. That wasn't his 2009 song. Do you know what was? Red Mosquito, right? It was the one that Danny Clinch is now yep. claiming yep. his own, right? At Austin Slide Guitar. That was, the, that was the big performance from there. He just kills it on that, uh, that slide, yeah. So I wonder if there was a worry about bringing out Ben every single night to do something like that, that he would be overexposed. And that's probably why that that moment with Red Mosquito is so memorable, because there could have been 500 of those moments. Like, how many times has he opened up for the band? 
countless. Right. Right. So that that's why it always gets remembered. But this is it interesting because indifference isn't closing your night. Alive is, but you don't usually see that ever happen. Except in 2021. Well, as far as alive closing a show goes, yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually did the math on it, and between this show and the show that alive closed, I think it was Ohana main set. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there were three shows in between that closed with Alive. And it's something like minuscule, like 20 times. Uh, Dave had the stats when we were doing the Destined to Remember live stream show, which is actually happening next Monday, the 11th. So check it out on Facebook for sure. I think he said it was something like 19 times that they closed shows with it. Mm -hmm. That was it something really really small so but i i thought it was great i thought both versions of this when alive is closing your night you're closing with something something massive and i think a lot of people in that crowd probably looked at you know reel me into indifference like oh that that's the way we're we're going out of the first album tour uh show and uh nope they turn the tables a little bit end with alive the crowd is very strong at the end they're very good ed's at the top of the stage and mike's running around it's a classic moment yeah, I thought it was a little weird after after Indifference to get alive because you, especially 2009, you expect Indifference to to be it, but then you alive kicks in. And you're like, all right, cool, and it hadn't happened in a long time, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the once uh, once at the Mansfield shows in 2008. Yeah, but before that, it had been it had been a while. It, it's yeah after Ledbetter. Uh, XL Center in, in in 2006, yeah. and th- and that XL Center yeah. show I believe was an opener for Tom Petty. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, just like, like much. just the the dominance of Ledbetter and Indifference almost makes it like something special and unique when you get anything else. Like you you'll get a Rock in the Free World here, you get it along all along the Watchtower there. You might get a Bob O'Reilly somewhere else, but Alive is usually sitting in that that penultimate spot so yeah here it was cool to kind of hear it get the spotlight and and be the one to close it down right and if you got tickets for both nights i'm sure that leaves you off on a high going into the next night you're like okay you know now we're at we're at this level now going to the next show the momentum has to has to go in waves now so what are we getting what are we getting from from then to the next and i think that's a perfect way to do like if you're going and i always love the first night closing with indifference, the second night closing with Ledbetter. And yeah. actually, I kind of liked how they did it this past weekend, where the first night closed with Ledbetter, the second night closed with Rockin' in the Free World, because it was, you know, all everybody joining on stage and uh, the massive celebration thing. So I like when Rockin' in the Free World can be that. Uh, and, and that brings an extra added element to the song where you can't utilize that in, in Ledbetter as much. So... Uh, but yeah, differences of, of how to close the set and, uh, when, when they play with it, it, it works and it, 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 yeah. it feels different. So, all right, we have reached the end. So let's pick three moments from this that we really enjoy and, uh, want to tell people to go listen to. Yeah. Not difficult. Um, long road opening up the show. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then two debuts, uh, the debuts of Unthought Known and Just Breathe, I thought were stellar and uh, stood above the rest. So those are my three. 
Yeah, I got I got one of those. And I got a different debut that I'm going to use here. Uh, Long Road is absolutely one of the moments from this. Uh, just again setting the tone for you know, your show. You can go in so many different directions. If the show opens with a sometimes, maybe you think a little differently of it. If it the opens next night with did. The night two did right, and, and I've never listened to the night two of this, but I, maybe the night two has a different, completely different feel to it. But Long Road absolutely drove the rest of the show gonna see my friend was a huge surprise and it kind of reignited a little uh interest that i had with that song going back to the very beginning of backspacer where i listened to it nonstop and absolutely loved the beginning how electric that record was and then for a third song i'm gonna go inside job i'm gonna say inside job here it just never ceases to amaze me how amazing this song gets it's a fine wine song it just gets better as it goes on and as it goes on you know kind of like how unthought known and maybe how a couple of these gigaton ones will end up in a couple years people have more attachment to these songs when they hear it more and more live uh, they do something with it. It becomes a tribute to somebody. Uh, Steve Gleason with Inside Job has, has made Inside yeah, Job yeah. feel like a, a song for the people where how many people have gotten the tattooed of how I choose to feel is how I am. Like That's another lyric that people have attached themselves to over the years. It just, again, just gets better and better as the years go by. And this one uh, is definitely part of the progression and evolution in that. There's a there's a funny moment too. I think after we did mention here, Mike teases "Stairway to Heaven" a little bit. Oh and, yeah, and yeah. I meant says, to mention did you write that one too? And Mike goes like, "No, no, 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 no." no. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that, that's that was funny. Yep. And uh, I think after that, Ed thanked Stone for giving Mike a call, and then thanked yeah, Jeff yeah. and Stone for calling him, and then thanked Matt for picking up when they called him. So uh, a lot of a lot of thank yous going on. They were really appreciative of what they were doing at this time period. So. Okay, how are we going to rate this? This is interesting. This is an interesting era. It's not a show that I've heard a lot of people talk about, but it's got things that are relevant to the story of this era. So yeah. where do you put it? Where do you place it? It's it's tough because you have, like, the some of the debuts are good, but overall this this set doesn't hit like a lot of them do, I think. So I'm going to give this, it's it's going to sound worse than it is, but I'm going to give this one a six and a half. It's just, it's wow. not one that I would, that I'll probably ever go back to. I mean, the, the debuts of Unthought Known, Just Breathe, are great, but those songs have turned into so much more than they are here. And I just, it, it's, just it's just not a lot for me to, to latch on to here. So six and a half. Hey, I'm going to go a little bit more positive. I'm going to actually... Uh, Going to the B territory, like if this was getting a letter grade, it'd probably get like a B minus. So I'm going to say that this is an eight. I <laughs> I enjoyed this. I, <laughs> I thought that this was a good uh, masterclass of what Matt can really do on, on, on the live stage. And I feel like in 2009, Matt developed that character so to speak and and develop the the way that he would perform in later years would be very similar to to how he started this era i think that was important for him i think he started sounding really really good and, and it's not like it took a while you know he he sounded good in other facets during binaural and and riot act and and other other eras but uh this one he just pops way way more and i really appreciated uh, a good match show and um i like the debuts 
I like the debuts, and I thought there was there was good energy. There's some there were some dead moments. The, the life wasted ending is said it wasn't great. The uh, Ed lost a little steam, but I don't think I, I got too detracted from that. I'm going to give it an eight and hopefully all the backspacer stands out there can uh, give me a pat on the back for this because that, that I, I can't go. <laughs> oh, higher. You're just, you're just, you're patronizing now. You're, you're, you're going, you're well, going, you're going for it. Somebody has to No, I, I really do. I really did enjoy the show. I, I think when shows surprise me, I will go the extra mile to give it a little bit of a nudge. If, if there is something from the 2009 era, that you want to listen to that obviously isn't the spectrum shows. Cause everybody will say the spectrum shows. Uh, I, I may recommend this. Yeah. I think this, this one has a mm. little bit of the importance okay. to it. So, okay. all right. That is that next week. We mentioned it before. Uh, we just put out the concertpedia review of this show. It's Austin city limits, 2014, the first night, October 5th, they did October 5th. They did October 12th. We are doing the October 5th version because it was a Patreon request from Brock Miller. We'll have him on to talk about it. We will do a profile episode with him for Patreon, so that'll be great. We haven't talked to Brock yet on the show. Always great to have new voices. Brock is another great fan and and listener and, and is always communicating with us and love to hear from him. So can't wait to hear what he has to say about our first ever show that took place in Texas. This is all Very you cool. Texans out there. All you Texans that love talking about Texas. We're finally doing a Texas show after three years. <laughs> I don't know why. I like what? Why? Why did we not think to do a Texas show? I don't know. Just one of those things. Just one of those things. I, Dallas has had some really good shows, too. It has. Yeah. And look, I think they always play Brandon J in Dallas. So I don't, I don't know if that's. A case in Austin as much different different territory, but excited to see what's uh, especially you know talking about that festival and and who else was there that week. It will be very interesting. So uh, we'll get into that. Hopefully, we'll see you there, and uh, hopefully, you guys have listened to our Ohana episode. Go back in the archive. Just a, two days ago, what we did it, we put it out on Monday. You can listen to that. Right, it's very good. I hope. I, I'm not one to judge, but I know that we talk about things that we like to talk about, and I think we got out all we needed to get. So if you love those shows, definitely go and take that uh, a listen to that. Until next week, we are done. We'll see you for Austin. Uh, this may be the end. We're here not for much longer, although we may be parting ways. I miss you already, and I miss you always. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Just remember to do all the stuff that helps us out. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud. Uh, rate us on Apple. Give us the five-star rating. Leave us a comment. Let everybody know what you think of the show. And that helps us out. Gives us more visibility. And make sure you follow uh, stuff like the Pearl Jam Podcast community on Facebook because we're starting to do a lot of really cool things over there and starting to you know do some interactive stuff. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we see you there. If not, then uh, we'll see you somewhere else, I hope. Hopefully on the next time we talk to you on the next episode. Until we do that, we'll see you next time. Support your local independent record store.